15% of all digital projects are completely abandoned. The cost of fixing errors is sometimes up to 100 times more than doing it right. This podcast is brought to you by the team at Esri Australia. To get your hands on more short, sharp and immediately useful resources, head to the Esri Australia website and search for Goldmine. Welcome to today's episode of the GIS Directions podcast. Today we're going to be talking about user experience in the context of GIS and how it's more than just a pretty map. Today I'm joined by Tara Tanaka. Hey Josh. And special guest Shannon Stavrou. Hi Josh. Welcome. Thank Uh, you. Shannon heads up our user experience team at Esri Australia. I'm uh, really interested to talk to you today, Shannon, around your experience of user experience and how it relates to making uh, GIS projects successful. So where I want to start is with a pretty open question. Help us understand what user experience means through your eyes. Yeah, sure. So by definition, user experience encompasses all aspects of an end user's interaction with a company so their products and services as well. So we break that down a little bit and look at it in terms of GIS maps and apps. What we're trying to measure or provide here is an experience that's a positive one. So making sure that we're not creating frustration when someone's using an application or confusion. So that's about reducing the complexity that can typically be found within a GIS application and delivering information in an easier way. So it's about feelings, I guess, and that's a different take sometimes in our industry of getting clients and internally for us to start thinking about how we want to make people feel, but we're trying to provide a a really positive experience. That's really interesting. Uh, I'm struck by that, the use of the term, how people feel, because as you you pointed out, we're in an industry where we measure everything, we quantify everything, everything's got a number against it. How do you do that? How do you, can you measure how people feel or, or are you kind of preempting it by understanding them in general? Well, the first rule of UX, good UX, is to understand your users. And we really need to do that by acknowledging that they have their own needs and wants. And we can understand those needs and wants by having conversations with them and talking to them and and watching how they interact with an application. So testing and conversations and surveys and things like that where we're getting the users to actually tell us what they need and in what way they need it. We have to have those conversations. It's not all about just data and metrics. Absolutely. If I can just add to what you've said there, Shannon, it's a really good question that you've also brought up there, Josh, about feelings and measuring feelings. I was in Redlands recently and I participated in a customer experience track. And what we did was look at some in-application experiences that our user community actually experiences with our platform. So when they have purchased a product and they've received it, what are they experiencing when they're going through that journey? And one way that we're starting to measure those feelings is through a customer journey map. So we go through each individual stage and each step of the journey. So from the sales perspective through to the actual getting the application or product through to starting to install it and then through to using it at each of those individual steps how do they feel tell us what you're thinking what are you doing what's your emotion at that time are you super happy are you frustrated are you sad do you just want it to be over and how does that um you know i mean we laugh now but sometimes you know i'm doing things i'm like man i just want this to be done i think it's such an important aspect because in an industry exactly what you said before 
before, Josh, where we can quantify everything. Those feelings are so important in terms of when we're interacting with applications. When we think about gamification of applications, playing something like Pokemon brings me so much joy, Pokemon Go, because it's such a great experience. So Pokemon Go, yes, it's, it's such a great experience for me. It makes me happy. But, you know, that's what we want to think about when we're having any kind of application or interaction. Is that something that you're finding is quite common when you're looking at user experience for our platform and applications, how you're building in that positive impact for, for end users? Well, actually, that's the real value that we're trying to, to strive for there and why it's really important that the UX process and methodology become part of a regular project delivery lifecycle is because what we're trying to achieve here is a positive experience, making sure that our users enjoy using the maps and apps. They get what they need. They become advocates of the systems. And at the end of the day, it's about getting a return on investment and making sure that your time and effort that goes into developing these really sophisticated solutions People are using them. They're adopting these services and products. The last thing you want to do is is invest all this time and money and then have your users pick it up, try and get the information out of it. They can't use it. We've all been there. We've used a website or an application before where you just think, oh, this is terrible. I'll find another way. I'll, I'll go around it. And then all that effort is wasted. Value is money. You've got to make sure we're, we're getting bang for our buck. I want to pick up on that thread, Shannon, because uh, it's a good segue into the question, what's the cost of not doing this? And does the cost in me as an unhappy, frustrated user, maybe the application's not picked up in the way you anticipated, is there a financial cost to not doing it? Well, I would say so, yeah. There are some pretty confronting facts that we like to use to encourage the people that we're working with to undertake the process. And there's some research that shows that 15% of all digital projects are completely abandoned. So they're not finished for whatever reason. 50% of time is spent on rework and edits. The cost of fixing errors is sometimes up to 100 times more than doing it right in the first place. So if we look at that cost of fixing things, Does it get amplified the further down the track you are? I mean, the closer to delivery, I assume, the worse it is if you're trying to fix things that you might have been able to solve through appropriate research. The ultimate approach, I guess, is that you begin thinking about your user and you take those considerations into your planning right from the get-go. So one of the first things that we would do with a, a new project is identify the user types profile them to understand behaviours and um, limitations and then build your requirements around those needs and capabilities from the beginning. But obviously we can get involved at any point in the process. So there's a lot of value in tracking existing applications and maps and using the metrics that you can gather from those applications to inform your next round of development. So it doesn't really matter. There's value anywhere where you start taking that into consideration, whether it's at the start of the project, which is ideal, or if it's not something that you've considered until the end, there's still that chance to track the way that people are using a system, test 
watch how the interactions are happening, watch where people may be getting frustrated on a particular function or tool. Really seeing them use it will give you a lot of valuable insight as well. Shannon, I'm not going to let go of the bone on this one around the cost. I'm really intrigued to dig a bit deeper. So we were talking about the cost of, of doing all this, but is it going to be you know massive sticker shock to an organisation who's trying to incorporate these principles? Is it is it going to be tough to find the budget? This is obviously a common question that I'm asked with clients and the way that we like to position it, it's not about trying to find additional cost and another issue or concern is often timeline. How do we add another process into our already exhausted Mm. budgets and timelines? It's really about reworking how you use that money. Typically, design is thought of as maybe an afterthought, a lick of paint that you throw on the application down the road when it's already been developed. Now, doing that, you're not really going to achieve much from a user experience point of view because the workflows and and the, the journey that the user has to take is already set in stone. If you bring a lot of that budget and effort to the front of a project and you incorporate it into your planning, that will then dictate the design. And you spend that money up front to define the way that the application works and the outcome will be a lot more user-friendly. So it's not that we're asking people to add a big wad of money on top of the budget. We're just asking them to use it in a different way. Who are you having the conversation with typically? Because I'm thinking about folks in our industry who are very focused on the GIS technology. And I assume there's people who are in more traditional IT application development there's project management people in larger enterprises. Is there a kind of sweet spot for where the conversation around user experience is best had? Or is it something where all the stakeholders have to kind of buy into it at some point? There are UX advocates in all levels of the organisation. It really does come down to the individual. A lot of people are already inherently undertaking this kind of process as their project development. Obviously, it's a real, really great experience when we come across a client like that who just by nature really want to embrace this user experience process. Then, like you mentioned before, we have the GIS purists who are all about the technology and the maps, and those conversations can be a bit more difficult. But at the end of the day, we talk to the value, and it's all about making sure that what you're creating is effective for the end users. And to achieve that, we need to follow this process. It's the only way to truly understand whether we're creating something that's going to meet the needs of the people using it. Now, Shannon, you brought up some really nice points there about the value of that user experience and doing the right things. With that in mind, what are some examples of some of the best maps or apps that you've seen and maybe some questionable maps? I don't want to say the worst, but maybe questionable maps and apps that you've seen. Well, without throwing anyone under a bus, I've been asked to review a few dashboards in my time and and look at how information is being translated in a really quick bite-sized kind of medium. Some of the dashboards I've seen have been just quite overwhelming, actually, with a lack of prioritisation of information. You don't know where to look. Stats coming at you left, right and centre. 
the use of really red text on black backgrounds. You can't read it if you're colorblind, for example. It's hard to look at on a screen. Forget printing it out. But also there's this connotation with red, which means bad, negative. So the use of colour can really throw you off as well as an end user. Also with straight out of the box web maps with all of the tools turned on and 600 layers available as a non-GIS user, that's very overwhelming. When you sit down in front of an application like that, you just don't know where to start. What we try and do is really focus and streamline those experiences and take away all the clutter. One of the um, ones I like talking about at the moment is coming out of the South Australian government. They've created this information portal for their chief executives at at an agency level, Mm -hmm. so very senior stakeholders to report to the Premier on how the state is faring across a number of KPIs. Mm We've got a pretty clear user type there to work with. Mm -hmm. And what they've created is just amazing. They've really been able to strip away the complexity of the technology and let the insights be on display. And I think when you're able to let the information be the hero rather than the sophistication of the technology, it's a real winner. And this has been a really great discussion, Shannon. And what are some of the key takeaways that you would want users to to really walk away with at the end of this? The key takeaway is, you know, avoid these big costly mistakes and get UX involved from the start, the UX process. And obviously you can do that by talking the talk around the office, be the advocate for this process, make sure that you lead by example. So have those conversations in your project meetings. Are we defining this by the user? Will the addition of this feature really be important to the user? So those decisions need to be underpinned by those requirements. Also build your crew, find like-minded individuals within your organisation get together and and start to formalise the process so it becomes an easier inclusion into your delivery of projects. Start small, find applications that might already be existing and do some testing on it, some user testing, and prove the method to your stakeholders so that you can really start to um, build the advocacy organisation-wide. Thanks, Shannon. Some good tips there. Just to wrap things up, there's a couple of resources on gisdirectionspodcast.com.au. We're going to provide a a link to a report uh, that came out of your team, which really sums up some of the thinking you've uh, expressed in the principles. And also, there's an opportunity for people to call in and talk to somebody about the UX process. Yeah, absolutely. You can go online and book a time to give us a call and we can help you get started. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the hosts and guests and do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Esri Australia.